When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coming up on today's episode, things continue to spiral in Winnipeg. We break it all down, including the loss in San Jose, plus the latest lineup shuffle to kickstart the offense. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, looks like we got a new rock bottom to talk about. Just what you think. It's the opposite. Well, we'll we'll introduce Tyson quickly here. It's the opposite of just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in instead. Just when I thought I had enough, they stick another knife into me and make it even worse. Yeah, the Winnipeg Jets are... The Winnipeg Jets might be the story of the NHL right now, uh, but for all of the wrong reasons, which we'll get to as we wrap up the week with this episode here. Joining me once again, CJOB's Tyson Rowicki. Tyson, how we doing today? I'm doing much better today. Um, yeah. After that Jets game, and I know you know this, like when you work those East or West Coast late night games, that's that's where you really get the deep reflections on the team. You really you really start to ponder as as it gets past twelve into one, and yeah, like there's a bunch of talk to talk about. We could do a whole episode just on that post game discussion. Oh yeah, we, well <laughs> we might it might be pretty close to that. It's it is when you do those late ones. It's like uh, an Aaron Rodgers darkness retreat, right? Like your <laughs> your your mind gets taken to a different place, and it's like an existential crisis to go along with. The crisis that is the the Winnipeg Jets right now. Yeah, it's just like you go in and you're like, it's like I thought I was gonna retire. I thought I was done with the, I thought I was done with this Jets team, and then it's just like, oh, they play worse, but it's just like the drama brings you back in, right? Like there's something <laughs> about there is something about the the drama that really enticed. I I don't I don't want to say entices me because it just it's not a great point right now for this team, but at the same time. Looking on the positive side, you can kind of start to see some brighter days ahead, maybe. Really? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I after this season, I, I almost yeah, anything's okay. gonna be better yeah. next year. I gotta get different days, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It, it might, anything that's not this group of players might be considered brighter. So I, I get what you're saying. Uh, by the way, I got a new chip here. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's um. 
Nashville hot chicken chip, potato chip. The name is better than the flavor, but was it just hot? Not not enough. <laughs> they did, chips never go like outside of those like joke ones. They never go as spicy as they need to. Like if it's a spicy chip, make it spicy. That's why that's why you're ordering it. Um to me, yeah, the sweet, to me the sweet chili heat Doritos, that's a nice I think that's the best heat chip. That's a good one. I like the um I like how this has also become just like a potato chip podcast now that the jets suck. Um I like the the jalapeno and cheddar kettle cooked, like the old Dutch ones. Oh yeah. That, that's a good one. That, that's an enjoyable heat night. They took it off the shelves, but the the hot ones Pringles. That was like a yeah, they, they you you know you're eating a spicy chip when you have a hot ones one. Um but I digress. Um <laughs> what's not spicy in a four out of ten segue here is the Winnipeg Jets offense and the Winnipeg Jets team play as a whole. I believe it was kind of a throwaway line by me in our last episode, Tyson. Essentially, they, they can't lose to San Jose again. <laughs> like, they can't do this again, so we don't have to worry about that. Well, guess what? They did it again. Um, the Winnipeg Jets shut out. The offense continues to stink. Three zip in that one. San Jose's got two wins in their last 15, I think. Both of those have come against the Winnipeg Jets. It, it really, they, they did find a way to take this thing a step or two lower here, Tyson. And it's funny, too, because... If you just, and we'll just quickly, quickly touch on the game here. The, there's way more intriguing topics to discuss outside of what they did during that one. The funny part of the game is they didn't play horrifically. Like James Reimer made five, like five highlight level saves. <laughs> maybe, maybe more than that. Like they, there is an element of bad luck around this team when it comes to finishing. So if you just look at this singular game, they, there's been much worse. Um, outcomes and, and much worse efforts over the past couple of months but it's just impossible to ignore with all of that taken into account on top of that too the main thing is if you're any half decent team at this point of the season with any semi-serious shot at making noise in the playoffs you go into san jose and you beat the brains out of the sharks right like the game is over by the time the third period comes around and everybody can go to sleep it, it shouldn't even be a contest heading into the latter part of the third period there. And once again, the Winnipeg Jets do nowhere near enough to get a win that they desperately needed, considering the opposition gets much, much stiffer here. And now Calgary is officially nipping at their heels in the wildcard race. Yeah, and you, and you mentioned like they did have their chances. But one thing that, about those chances was that it's not the top guys, right? Like they're on, like the diving across paddle save by Reimer was on Mason Appleton. He had that um, that great glove save on Saku Manalainen. Like these, whenever the bottom six seems to be out there, I honestly do feel like they look like a team. Like it looks like a team that at least is playing within their scheme and is like they're at least trying to commit to some sort of team hockey when they're out there. And that's why I believe that they're starting to get more and more chances because they're playing the the way that they want to be playing. But when you get up up into the top six, it's just it's so much disappointment and it's just so much. You can, and we'll mention this a bunch, but the biggest word for me is just disconnect. There's a disconnect between the top half of the lineup and the bottom half of the lineup on the forward front. And you see that, like, it's just, it's just not good enough. And with, when you have your best, you're struggling to score goals at five on five and the power play, of course, but 
especially five on five, that's where you want to generate most of your chances. And you have your best five on five score over the past couple of years playing 13 minutes a night. Like he played 13 minutes in that San Jose game. And, and to me, I just don't understand. Like, and I understand, I do get that Nikolai Ehlers hasn't been playing like the Nikolai Ehlers we're used to seeing. He's, I, I think he's been playing a little bit better lately, but it's not near the type of dynamic player that we're used to seeing. But what has guys like Kyle Connor done that should warrant him get, keeping the same ice time that he's getting, right? Like they're very similar players and I don't think their games have been too far off from each other these past couple. And so yeah. I'm just, I'm just confused at the selection choice. And, and then we, we can get into why bonus seems to have a certain gripe with some players, but those players are getting the ice time still. Like I, yeah. I, I, I'm honestly at a loss for words. Cause I just don't get some of the decision-making. Yeah. That's, and, and you make a couple of good points there. Um, you know, one being that they look like a team when the less skilled players are out there on the ice. And that's, you know, I mean, good in the sense that they're playing solidly the bottom six, but they don't have the finishing capabilities that the uh, the top six does or other bottom sixes do in the NHL. But disconnect is a very, I think is a very apt word to use there, especially when you mentioned the, the latter part of it, where words are being said either pre or post game and the actions don't match up with the words that are being said whether it is the players or the coaches. So like, what's the deal? Like why, why, why can't we follow through with what's being said? It's, 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 it really is mind boggling to me. And it just speaks to the point that I made on our episode earlier this week, Tyson, in the sense that it just, it feels like this is just a long walk down the green mile. Like it's just, it's, it's this long painful walk to the death of the Winnipeg Jets as we know it. And it's only a matter of when, not if, that we see this group and the main core ultimately split up once this season, mercifully, it feels like at this point, comes to an end. Um, enough about the game. We, we, we touched enough about the actual game. I mean, the big, the big story, I mean, the, the, really, I would, I would say the, the story around the NHL is just the, the eye roll scene around the world. <laughs> what, what, did you, what was your first reaction when you saw... The Athletics' Murata Tesh throw out Mark Scheifele's view on offense compared to Rick Bonus's view on offense, and clearly, Old Man Bones wasn't enjoying Mark Scheifele's view on uh, how he and his line should be playing hockey. Right, and and, and we mentioned Bones and Scheifele because th- clearly those are the two main parts of that post game. But we Dylan Demello also spoke to the media after the game, and I thought his I thought some of his post game quotes were also quite telling kind of on a lesser scale because there wasn't the eye roll. There wasn't sort of the extra theatrics that bonus had. But when DeMillo came out there, he said, Hey, like we have to play. And I'm paraphrasing here, but we have to play the way that bones wants us to play. And right now we're not generating enough bounces. We're not generating enough of our own chances. And you can, you can say, you know, bounces don't go our way, but at some point you do have to create your own bounces. And I think that's what bones is trying to do with his system right now. And you can see that with the bottom six. Like you can see that with the D men, especially. I feel like the D men have been have been almost a little too trigger happy at times these past couple of games. But if that's what if that's what Bones thinks is the way that you need to win, and regardless, if if you're a guy like Mark Scheifele and you really do believe that you should be playing a, a possession game, not listening to your coach isn't going to do you any favors, right? 
Like, like you playing a separate system to your own team isn't going to help anyone. So even though you do disagree, you have to have that level of maturity. And we're talking about level of maturity with a guy who's getting closer to 30 than he is 20. Yeah. Like it's kind of like, it's ridiculous at that point. And to be honest, like I, I, I don't, I don't blame bones for that. You know, like you, you come out there and you kind of say exactly the opposite of what you're trying to preach to the locker room. And you're just like, again, like again with this guy, like, it's not enough that you're not sh- that you're not showing up on the ice to do it, but you're gonna actually come out to the media and go up out go against what we've been trying to preach these past couple games. I think it's ridiculous at that point, and it's it's kind of crazy to think that an NHL player who's been in the league for what how like ten years now, close to ten years, a player that's been in the league for ten years is acting like this. Like it just it's it's kind of it just blows my mind. Yeah, it's it's selfish is is what it is, right? Like. So a combination of selfish and, and stubbornness and just a piss poor attitude. It's it's infuriating, and I this this is I I have a few bones to pick with bones. Can't believe it's taken me seventy plus games to think of that. But <laughs> like I, I've got a few problems with some of the things Rick Bonus is doing right now. One hundred percent. But that specific instance there, I'm one trillion percent on his side. Right, like, and it, and it's not even. I can understand disagreeing with it too, but like, this team's been playing so poorly and has failed to score for so long. His message of "let's just get pucks to the net and see what happens" should be like the basis of what you do as a team, right? Right, like if you want to play, if you want to go quality over quantity after you reel off three straight wins, then go ahead and be my guest. But it's not like you're going out there and lighting the score sheet on fire. And the team's finding ways to lose. Like you're contributing to the problem right now by putting yourself above the team. Yeah, and I mean, it, 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 it's just—it seems to me like I—I I don't think it's what—it's ha- what happened, Tyson. But you go back to Paul Maurice a few years back saying the Mark Shifley is going to have a statue in front of this building one day if everything goes according to plan. It looks like it went to his head because he's playing like a guy who's expecting a statue to be made of him. But I mean, there's just no, again, no accountability with him. I'm going to do whatever I want to do out there. And as long as Mark Shifley has a good game by his mind, then screw the team is, is kind of what I'm seeing there. And it, I think this is played into the struggles that the Winnipeg Jets have had for the past three seasons and why they look, like you said, so disconnected, so disjointed out there. Because there's not a unifying force here, and you have one, two, three, four guys, plus maybe more, that it's, I want to do what I want to do, and if it hurts the team, oh well, but I'm, I'm doing what I want to do because it's all about me, and it's, it's, it is sickening. It's, it's so, so frustrating and infuriating to watch, and I think Jets fans have every right to be beyond pissed at, at what they're seeing during the game and, and now post-game. Yeah, and it's funny too. Like you look at the last couple goals that these that this team has scored in these past couple of games. A lot of them aren't pretty goals. Like they're pucks getting to the front of the net, Larry jamming home a rebound against Nashville. Like it's just it's those kind of goals that they've been scoring lately, and, and that's what's been working. So try and stick with it. Like it's just it it really is just it, people are gonna look back at this in a couple of years and just think, wow, like this is this really was crazy what happened these past couple of years. Like this is really. Hopefully we never get to this level again because this was a headache to put the least, to say the least. Yeah, put it, say it, migraine, <laughs> night terrors. 
It is like a night terror. That's what this is. It's just like, please make this come to an end. <laughs> I, I want to ask you a question. And it's it, it, it would be pretty monumental if it took place. But I'll get your answer right after this, Tyson, because we're going to give our friends over at DraftKings a quick shout out here. As the action continues to get underway across the sporting world, our friends over at DK have a big offer for you to take advantage of where new customers can bet just 5 bucks and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plenty to get into. Hockey, basketball season's winding down. MLB is back in action. A massive, entertaining Blue Jays win on opening night. Plus, final four this weekend. I'm hoping for UConn, Tice, because our family pool, I'm the only one that can take down big brother Andrew, but we need UConn to go all the way. So please, Huskies, find a way to get it done there. So if you want to bet on me to take down the evil older one, then why not put a little bit of money on UConn taking down Miami in the final four before they hopefully I was gonna say lift the trophy. I don't even know what you win if you win the, the cut the, the net. You, you, you like they cut the net. No, to get to the, <laughs> the get to the final four, they cut the net. I don't know what happens when you win. There's a, I think there's a little trophy. It's like that little disc that says NCAA on it, right? I don't know. Either way, I, I saw a crazy video though of this guy like before the college season even started, and he was saying, I forget what I don't I forget what the odds were when they were opening, but he said San Diego is the team to pick they have they're the best team in the rocky mountain region and <laughs> that hits that's <laughs> that's nutty maybe you could have san diego state yukon final there you go make it happen with our friends at dk how do you do it it's this easy download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and sign up with code thpn new customers can bet five dollars and get two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly win or lose only at DraftKings sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. So Tyson, since we're on the topic of this, with the bonus eye roll, with the way things have spiraled out of control, and especially after the incident in Carolina on ice as well, would you healthy scratch Mark Shafley? I... I feel if you healthy scratch, I mean, it just goes nuclear. Like, it just goes <laughs> DEFCON 2, and it's just a absolute... Like, I feel like that it that's just too much. For a team that's still in a playoff spot, that still has the best chances of making the playoffs, like, I feel like that's just putting a bomb in that dressing room. And I think I just, oh, like... <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think that... At this point in the season, I don't think that helps any anything. You know... It, it, the reason I asked this is because I was on Winnipeg Sports Talk on Thursday. And we were talking about the Shifley incident and all that. And and Huss said something along the lines of, look, you're not going to scratch him at this point of the year. And I was like, well, <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. You're, you're basically like publicly going out against your coach. And what's been most damning to me, and maybe this is maybe in a weird way, this is why you don't scratch him. But the last time he was disciplined heavily was in that Carolina game where the entire line of Shifley, Connor, Niederreiter were benched for what was it? The entirety of the second period, something like that. I mean, 15 minutes at the, at, at the very least they were benched for. And what's happened since then, his game is 
completely cratered. And he's just like he's nowhere near the impact guy that he was earlier on in the season. Right. Like if you're you're hoping for a bit of a bounce back. okay, what do you got, kid? Well, what he's got is no answer and he's folded in the face of adversity. So like in a weird way, you bench him. It's like you're not going to expect an angry, motivated guy to come out of that scratchy. Right. I, I I would probably agree with you. I think I think right now it's just too little too late. This was something that would have happened earlier on midway through the season. But the problem was he was playing good in the first 30 some odd games. So it wasn't it wasn't an issue. It's just come to an ugly head right now. And I mean, you shouldn't think this with seven games to go in this season and playoffs on the line. But there's also maybe a part of, you know, if management had a say in this of, look, this guy's out the door. It feels like he's out the door this upcoming offseason. We don't want to we don't want to neuter any trade value that we might have by making him out to be some kind of a head case to the rest of the league. Right. So maybe that's another part of it. I, and I think his trade value has taken a little bit of a hit. I still think they'll get a good package for him, but I do think that there is going to be some concerns from teams, and rightfully so. Like looking at this guy the past couple of years, there's no way that GMs are going to go in and thinking this guy is the kind of <laughs> this is the kind of character we want to add to our locker room for a team. Like thinking of a team that acquires Shifley is going to be a team that's maybe like on the outside, a team that's kind of like a bubble team and trying to take that next step. You're thinking like, well, is this a guy that we necessarily want to add to our new, our young locker room that we're hoping to take the next step and kind of be an influence on these young guys? Like, there's going to be some question marks there. And it it's just, it's a shame that it's come to this, right? Like at this point, like it really is because there was so much potential earlier on the season when, when we talked a lot about it earlier on in the season, Shifley looked like a possessed demon. Like he looked like an animal out there and just to see the dramatic, dramatic drop-off in play is just so... And and G- GMs around the league know that too. Like, they've noticed that these past two years. They see that he kind of slows down as, a, as the season goes along. And how do you... Ch- like, right, you Like, because teams are going to start to think, how do we change this? Like, how, like what are, what are we going to do differently than the Jets did to get a different result here? And I'm not necessarily sure what you can do to get a different result unless yeah. it's, the, it's the only thing though is we've seen we've seen guys with more checkered pass get dealt and still bring back significant haul. I mean, like a Evander Kane got traded two separate times with way more baggage and was I mean, like look at the the, the haul the Jets got from Buffalo, and then Buffalo did pretty good trading him to San Jose as well, right? Like the one I, thing the one thing I'll say about that though is that although Kane like clearly has a checkered past, it was never an effort concern with him. That's that true. He, yeah, that's, he works his ass off. That's one I and I'm not defending him. He's a I mean he's a, to me he's not a, he's a terrible person from from what we've heard. But there's never been a concern about his effort and he always comes and he plays hard and he like he a lot of coaches are going to like the kind of player that he is they might not like the personality but they like what he produces on the ice and I think that's a huge thing for NHL teams and of course there's going to be teams that think hey we can fix this guy yeah that's that's what I was going to say is that there's going to be I mean the majority of the teams interested that are like look he comes here it's not going to be an issue Got a year left on his deal. He's motivated to to get a big payday and all that. We'll we'll fix him. And and all honesty, he's probably going to go to a team where he's the number two center, right? Like I would imagine. I, I I just don't see a team that like. 
was out of the playoff picture. It's like, we're going to give up big stuff to, to get Shifley up here so we can maybe squeak in and he's got a year left on his deal, right? Like you would imagine it's a, a good playoff team looking to go from playoff team to contender. Who that might be, we'll figure that out a little bit later. But I, I do agree with the point that he, like even with all the faults that we're talking about right now, He's he's gonna bring back a decent haul for the Jets if they if they do eventually as it seems to be if they do move them and and one of the reasons for that as well is um, did you check out the free agent rankings that Frank Saravelli put out this upcoming offseason? Yeah, I don't necessarily when, agree with well, them. But. No, you don't have to agree with them, but when you can make a case for Michael Bunting to be the number one free agent <laughs> in the it's pretty slim pickings right now for GMs out there. And there's a very real possibility that depending on who else is made available, that the Winnipeg Jets hold the two most impactful players that might be dealt or signed this off season. Cause the free agents stink relatively speaking. And even again, with all their faults, you're talking about a couple of essentially point per game centermen. On on and, and in Shifley's case, at a six million dollar deal, when the cap isn't going to go up all that much, that is gold for GMs out there. So I, it, it is funny how we talk about all of these issues, like on ice, off ice, all that. I, I just I think it gets washed away really quickly when you talk about his contract. What other teams will kind of delude themselves into thinking here. I, I think the Jets are still going to come out of this looking pretty good in terms of the haul that they get back. Um, but we'll talk about that as we go along throughout the offseason a little bit later on because uh, changes are coming, but we'll see how much of that and, and who is the one making those calls and, and everything like that as we uh, get a little bit closer to April and then May as well. Now, Tyson, you wanted to, and, and we'll wrap up the episode here, but there was something you wanted to touch on a little bit, right? And if I'm correct, it has to do with Winnipeg Jets general manager, Kevin Dayoff, who has not spoken since the trade deadline when he said he believed this team had all the pieces to be a cup contender. Is is that correct? You wanted to, to dive into something here? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a twofold argument, too, because I've been thinking the past couple of days, like with the way that this season's gone, I've. I don't see a Kevin Sheveldayoff getting the axe just uh, after recently getting a contract extension. But I do wonder about the possibility of the Jets hiring a president of hockey operations or making Kevin Sheveldayoff the president of hockey operations and bringing in a GM and having Chevy kind of serve as that buffer between Chipman and GM. And so, and just thinking like we, when Kevin Sheveldayoff has the task of building a team, I feel like he does a fairly good job. When when the Jets first started off here, you had their first couple first round picks like you go Shifley, Truba, Morrissey, uh, Ehlers, Roslevic, Line. Like those are that's a very high success rate in the first round. As as the season starts to get a little bit going on, and you're you're picking a little bit later on in the first round pick as the years go on, that's where finding the talent seems to dwindle a little bit. And you see the, the Logan Stanleys after picking Line a in that draft. You see the Christian Veselin in the year after that, and he's out of the league already. You see Billy Hainala right now, and at this point with Billy Hainala, your bet, your best bet's just to hold on to him. Like at this, realistically, because 
unless he's unless he forces himself out of Winnipeg, I don't see any point in trading him because I think his value is just shot at this point. I think the Jets did a terrible job of asset management there. And when you get into the stages where you build this team up, and we've talked about this a ton with the core and adding to that core, and you just kind of take swings and misses. And I'm, it's not even really, you're, you're watching the third pitch strike go right down the middle and you're not taking a swing at it by not adding the D-man at this deadline. And what kind of concerns me here is, is just the inability to really find too many players outside of the first round. And it, this was a trend. I, I, I know, don't know the exact scouting like that's been happening over the past years. I don't know like the overhaul that's changed, but after the first six years of the Jets, of the Jets being back in Winnipeg, their their drafting seems to take a bit of a hit. You're not finding those guys in the late rounds, and you're missing on a lot a lot of your first round picks more than you're hitting on them. And with Colbert Fetty, I mean, great pick. He fell into your laps, but that's kind of the home run pick. And we were talking about this a bit just before the episode, and you you are right. A lot of GMs don't make the right pick. So credit to credit where it give credit where it's due with that because you are making the right pick in that spot, but it's just looking back. I mean, you, guys that you've picked up past the second round, you're looking at Dylan Sandberg, Jansen Harkins, Mason Appleton, Nick Batan, Tucker Poolman. Like these guys are dime dime a dozen players, and to really get to that next level, you do have to hit on a couple of those later round picks. And it's been a while since they did that, right? Like, yeah, since, since, I mean, to be fair, Lowry and Hellebuck as guys after the third round, that's pretty, pretty impactful picks that they made back then. But yeah, and I, I guess it depends too, a little bit with the, um, with the two Russians that they've picked here. And it sounds like, is it Roshevsky that's coming over to, to North America soon? Yeah, um, I believe so. There, there's him and, and uh, I, I forget the Chipperkov. pronunciation, Chipperkov, I think. Right, like so, so maybe that's the potential next diamond in the rough there. But I mean, you, you kind of touch on there's going to be so many talking points this off season, and it depends to how this season flames out. Right, if it's if it's a first round exit, or if it's God forbid this team finds a way to miss out on the playoffs entirely here. But to go along with all the drama around Shifley, Dubois, Wheeler, Hellebuck, maybe even to an extent too. That's going to have to be an overarching discussion. Is is Kevin Sheveldayoff the right man to lead the Winnipeg Jets through whatever phase they're about to enter into? A retool, rebuild, whatever it is. Is he is he the right guy for that? Or is it going to have to be new blood that comes in with a new vision, a fresh look at things that tries to take this team into a new direction here? Yeah. Um, and it's uh, tough to say, it's tough to say too, because you know, ownership ultimately will have final say on that and we can say this should happen this should happen this should happen but um as we've seen in a lot of other places tyson when um when ownership or senior advisors uh, <laughs> lean a certain way they're going to stick with their guy despite what public sentiment is yes and, and even I, I will defend chevy in a different sense though is that when he is making trades in a selling aspect when they have a selling mindset he does seem to do fairly well with those trades Trades where you're getting assets for guys. Like we look at, this is going back a while back too. We like look at the Andrew Ladd trade where you get a fairly, and especially in that last season in Winnipeg, he really was starting to slow down. You could tell he wasn't the same player he used to be. And you got a decent, you got a first round pick, you got Marco Dano, and you got a second round pick. 
that's like that's a very good haul for a player like that. You look at the Truba, where and that that whole ch- kind of trade with Kevin Hayes is a little bit makes things a little hairier because at that point you're kind of only trading Truba for Pionk because you get your first round pick and you end up taking Hanola. So a little bit of a miss there, I guess you get in, in hindsight, but. It's, you, can, you can get Kevin Hayes back this offseason if you want. Yeah, reduced, cheaper. But and so yeah, like I'm basically what I think I'm trying to get at here is just that I I feel like Kevin Shevel Dayoff can do an adequate job at getting this team assets and getting them making the right picks. But do you just want to be adequate? Like that's that's kind of what we're getting at and i've heard i've heard many people say well is there anyone out there that's going to be better than kevin shuttle day off well you don't know like there yeah, could that's... be someone there there very well could be someone there's always gms that are waiting in the in the rough just trying to trying to get their first crack at a job and i think bringing in a new voice having kevin shuttle day off be that buffer and kind of bringing in a new age thinking guy like someone who is coming in with the mentality that we're going to have to be a more homegrown team. We're going to have to build from within. And then when the opportunity arises, we take our shots and be a little more creative. I think I think the creativity of a GM is what Kevin Cheveldayoff is missing the most. I yeah, think when I, the- I, I like that. I, w- I would agree with that. I Look, and we can talk about this. We'll probably have a couple episodes like dedicated solely to this topic. I, I think Chevy's a good GM. Like he's he's done a good job here in Winnipeg, but I think even good GMs after a while can get blind spots um, inside their own organization, and and we see we see all the time good GMs, you know, get fired and then go on to have success somewhere else. But it was never going to work for them at that original spot, right? It was just things had devolved to a point where it was you know, for, for whatever reason, things weren't going to progress in the right way. And then you part ways and it sometimes ends up working for both parties. Right. Um, I, I do think in, in terms of the creativity aspect that you were touching on there, to me, the big missed opportunity this club has not taken advantage of is the trade market when it comes to players that do not have no trade clauses i.e. guys on ELCs or players that have signed their first contract after an ELC or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's so much talk about it's so hard to get guys to waive their no trades to come to Winnipeg. Well, if it's so hard, then don't do it. And then guys that literally don't have a say in it, like Jacob freaking Chikrin. Ah, that's the one right there. Like it was staring you right in the face, right? Like to, to me, that's been something that's been been missing for a long time and then i i would agree and i think the team has always been right in this regard that they need to be a draft and develop team like they're correct with that like they they more than i think you make the case the jets have to be the most dedicated to draft and develop than any other team in the nhl you could you could make that case i don't know if anybody would even argue that but what is involved with that is not only just the drafting part, which you know takes a lot of skill and hard work and all that, but the developing de- uh, the developing part where a lot of the times coaches will say Ty goes to the veteran. Well, if you're a draft and develop team, Ty goes to the young guy. You know what I mean? And and not bringing in stop gaps that that block young guys from getting significant minutes. That that there needs to be a 
a refocus of the develop part of draft and develop, in my opinion. And I think those two, those are the two areas that if the Jets kind of refocus and rejig things and and own in on those two spots there, then we might see a maybe not return to glory, but a, a, a brave new world that the Winnipeg Jets could find themselves in if they they really dedicate themselves to, I think, the tenants that they, with good intentions, put in place in the first place. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I want to ask you this. Do you think there's a sense of complacency in this organization? Like, I like just thinking like there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that have been here a long time. And when you're in an environment where you get comfortable and it's kind of, you know, you're just used to things, used to things working a certain way. And then when things aren't going your way, it's a little hard to adjust. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Complacency, maybe even a little bit of, of arrogance. <laughs> like I, I go back to that presser right after the trade deadline with Chevy basically calling out the intelligence of the fan base, which was just shocking to me. Um, but yeah, like it's it's not like the Jets have been this well-oiled machine like the Boston Bruins for a decade, right? There is one great playoff run, and that's basically been it. Like I, I do think there needs to be a higher level of standard where like this isn't good enough. Like okay isn't good enough. I I I think I don't know if it's complacency or whatever you want to call it, but I would say that a new a new standard needs to be set here that we've got to shoot for continued extended playoff runs as opposed to we had a really good team one year and let's just sneak into the playoffs year in year out and see what happens because any team could do it like that 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 level of thinking isn't good enough yeah no it's it's going to be interesting like this is going to be a i if you're a fan of movement and new faces coming into your team i think you're going to be pretty excited with this offseason for the jets we'll see i mean they did say that last off season and not a whole lot happened. So <laughs> I like, I imagine it's going to happen, but I, imagine, not... sorry. Can you imagine if they did run it back? I don't think anybody would show up. I really like, I, I think I just can't imagine. I, I can't imagine you would be that short sighted to do this again. Right. Like <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. Like I get it. I get it. But I really, really believe they did that that there would be such a mass exodus of fans and ticket holders that they would have no choice. I just don't, I think there needs to be a level of awareness that there's got to be significant change in terms of at least player personnel. Um, How much more you want to go after that, that remains to be seen. But I, I I just can't imagine. I really can't imagine that they would be (laughs) that short-sighted, but, but again, we'll see. Like Tyson said, going to be interesting, going to be exciting. Um, We'll touch on that. Of course, once the season it does eventually come to an end sometime in the near future. Uh, but that'll do it for the episode here. We'll cap it off on that um, optimistic note. Um, <laughs> we'll get back at it to uh, start off the week next week. Looking at a few games for the Jets before that big one against the Flames it takes place. They've got a Friday night matchup against the Detroit Red Wings. And then a Sunday nighter against the New Jersey Devils. So... Things aren't getting any easy anytime soon for the Jets. And then they've got that Wednesday game against the Calgary Flames in Winnipeg. And really, the back-to-back, Calgary and Nashville up on tap after the matchups against the Red Wings and 
excuse me, the Red Wings and the Devils. So we'll break it all down for you guys on Tuesday morning. We might even have to do a post-game breakdown of Jets Flames because it is really the game of the season for the Jets at that point. So stay tuned for that. But no matter what, we'll be back at it on Tuesday morning for you guys. Until then, though, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. CJOB's Tyson Rewicki stopping by once again. We'll get back at it on Tuesday. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the start of April and stay safe and have fun, everybody. Peace.